is totally irresponsible parenting. Not according to the internet. Where on the internet? Dax, it's time for your bath. But I miss my show. Don't argue with me, young man. Just do it. This is our dad. I'm the professor. Yeah, he made us in his laboratory by accident. Don't worry, professor. I was an accident, too. You're my children, and I love you, but you're all terrible. Well, hello. Being the professional podcaster that I am, Sarah here, of course, uh, forgot to hit the record button until a few minutes into our introductions in the episode we recorded last night. So I profusely apologize to our guests. Um, I'm a pro. Uh, I'm going to take some time and introduce each of them here uh, very shortly, and then we'll get right into the episode. Um, but we had a very special episode last night that we recorded talking about uh, TTRPGs and Dungeons and & Dragons in a castle, an event that I got the chance to go to uh, in October and meet some of these fantastic people. James also joined us as well. You know where you can find me, Loves Like Pie, on all the internet. James is Nerdy at Home Dad or Semaj Adartse um, across the internet. Our very special guests included uh, Kate, who is Clouded Compass all over the internet. Uh, we also had Devin, who is Devin Godzilla all over the internet as well. I will make sure to put those links in the description of this episode so that you can give them all a follow. We also had uh, Beth the Bard, who is a DM uh, in the TTRPG space. She's a creator. She's amazing. Um, I am going to be at her table in October. Um, and. We're going to just jump right into her introduction here, and again, I apologize, I was dumb and forgot to hit the record button, because professional. But anyway, here we go, enjoy the episode, and uh, give all of our guests a follow. They're all amazing creators, and uh, all very passionate about TTRPGs. Some adults also. Oops, sorry. <laughs> it's recording now. Okay. <laughs> um... And I, I have a new website I just launched, TTRPG University, which is new, but is going to be uh, packed full of resources for TTRPG enthusiasts as the days go forward. That is it. And it's got a really cool quiz as well. <laughs> so go and check that out. And I am also actually going to be at Beth's table in July. I'm really looking forward to playing with her and getting into those campaigns too. So, uh, and last but not least, we have Jay who is our current dungeon master for Kate, Devin, and I, running a fantastic campaign for us for the last several weeks. I don't know what week we're on now, but it's been a while. But Jay, Emphasis go ahead and, on the master. Yes. Um, Jay, go ahead and introduce if, yourself. Got it. Well, um, if you know me, you know me. But if you don't, it's Jaden King. I'm on all social media platforms at It's Jaden King and my website, It's JadenKing.com. I am a professional storyteller, game master, game designer, performer, actor. Pretty much if it has a profession, I'm going to find out how to do it. Uh, I also have worked with several companies making a bunch of TTRPG interactive game experiences, including not limited to Dungeons & Dragons, 2D20, and other similar things. Um, that's who I am, and I am having a table at D&D in a Castle for this summer, and I'm excited to be back you know a king needs to be invited to a castle every so often <laughs> i'm super excited they invited you so i i definitely can tell you that the campaign that we are currently playing with every friday has been so good we are constantly talking about it offline just so you know constantly 
Yep. I'm not, I'm not crying. You are. <laughs> he adores this so much. Good. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's like solidifying our friendship outside of campaign. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really fun. We have so much fun. Just like, what about this? What about this? Wait, we still need to go back and do this. And oh, there's so many things to put together. We need more lore. <laughs> yeah, we're we're hungry. Mm-hmm. Very, much <laughs> so, King. very much so. <laughs> Um, but we're going to talk about TTRPGs. And so uh, I know James might have some questions for us. James, you're not really, you have never really played any of the TTRPGs, have you? I have not. Um, so it, so, yeah. so I'm, I'm asking you to drive this with some questions because otherwise I will just derail it completely. Well, it might go to that because uh, the main question I have for all you guys is what got you started into wanting to get into this style of gaming? Like, how old were you and, like, what really pushed you to keep wanting to do this throughout your life? Wow. I guess I'll start since. <laughs> That's and a we'll just phenomenal starting is. question. <laughs> um, so for me, I had wanted to play for quite some time. Um, and then Critical Role started. And I started watching that. And then I was like, I really, really need to play this game. Um, and so my brother invited me to play in one of his campaigns. My first character was a druid, of course, because I loved Keyleth so much. Um, and so I wanted to play a druid and we played for about a year. Um, and then everybody just kind of split off. And I was the one who always seemed to want to arrange games. I actually ended up arranging a group we called Heroes Feast at one of my workplaces where we would go every day at lunch and play Dungeons and Dragons for like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, but I just love it because of the storytelling, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to tell stories and play with your friends and just tell really, really, really good stories a lot of the time. And it's just so much fun. Um, great ways to get to know people and to connect with people and just create amazing things while you do that. Um, and then we'll just go clockwise again on my screen. Kate, go ahead and tell us your experience getting into gaming. Um. So getting into the gaming started off, so I was one of the like weird fantasy kids growing up in high school. I was like obsessed with reading fantasy novels, sci-fi novels. If there was content out there for it, even fan-made, I, I needed it in my life in some regard. Um, when being in a small town, that reservoir kind of dried up. One of my friends was like, well, if you can't get any more content, why not make content? And they introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. And so every day after school, there was six of us that would get together, you know, a few times a week and play Dungeons and Dragons in the school cafeteria. And then it wound up being, we teased, we were basement dwellers. (laughs) So then on the weekends, we started playing in my friend's basement and we had a campaign that spanned grade nine through grade 12. It was spectacular. And then for the longest time, I didn't play anything. Uh, University didn't really leave room for that. Um, And uh, then much like what Sarah said, when Critical Role started up, I was like, that's right. I love this. Why did I ever stop? And we started putting a small group together And then we have the same group of friends that we've casually played campaigns with now. And then we have one longer going campaign at the moment. And then I've had little 
soirees as like D&D in a castle and now the campaign that I'm a part of uh, every Friday night. It's been a growing passion that started when I was a teenager and I don't foresee it stopping anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. How about you, Devin? Um, my first exposure to D&D directly was in college. I was invited to uh, sort of a mutual acquaintance's birthday and they were putting together a one-shot for his birthday. I had never played. My buddy's like, oh, go, let's get you some dice, whatever. We'll get you into the game. Um, and at the time, I was in school for filmmaking and creative writing. And I got to this table. And despite this game being just an absolute mess, it was like, this is the kind of storytelling that I've been doing in my head since I was a kid. This is the kind of creativity that I sit in front of a screen or a blank piece of paper and and I it, it takes me 10 times the effort. But here with this, this collaborative improvisational style, it just flowed organically. It, it was it was beautiful. And I really struggled to find a good group for a long time. Um, and it wasn't until I got to really my current job that I found a bunch of players who played in the evenings. They were starting up a new campaign. Uh, we had all been, you know, common thread here, fans of Critical Role. Mm -hmm. um, and and having that entry point there to say like, okay, here's something. We know each other. We trust each other. We have this connection. Let's start playing. And we've been in a campaign at work for, I want to say, just shy of two years. Um, and that's branched out again everywhere I can, trying to get into games, into D and D, into other systems, World of Darkness, you know, worlds like that. Um, and it's bloomed from there, and it's been it's been exactly what I need as a fun, creative outlet in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Beth, tell us your story. Beth is a, an amazing DM as well. I've heard many wonderful things about her at the castle as well. So thank you. I'm excited to hear about how you got into it. <laughs> Um, so I got into it back when Stranger Things first, uh, came out drug. on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I had like heard about it briefly as a kid, but you know, it was satanic. So I wasn't allowed to touch it like Harry Potter and stuff. But, um, when it came up on Stranger Things, that was about the same time that I was getting my uh, first child into a love of like story. And so they were like, they were just absorbing as many novels as possible. I was like, yes, you shall be like me. <laughs> and we watched the episode and we're both like, that is another way to do story stuff. And we have to figure it out right now. And I had also just read a book called The Secrets of Happy Families, um, Bruce something, I don't know, I can't remember, but there was like an entire chapter on the benefits of gaming for families and how it not only has been proven to increase children's like happiness as they're growing up, but also to help family bonding and keeping like that lifelong like actually bonded connection with your kids and so I was like okay so story and game and let's do this absolutely so of course I didn't understand it at all at first I thought I could just open up the box and start playing like a Monopoly game and was very confused by what a d20 was <laughs> so actually I didn't know anything about Critical Role until I joined the adult community as I like to call it um so I learned 
the girls I learned through Girls Guts Glory on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chose them because it was like an all female cast, and we were like, "Yeah, let's do this. Let's learn." And that is how I learned. And then um, I started running sessions at my kids' homeschool resource center, and then it just kept like the demand kept growing, and I started just doing it full time. And then COVID. Mm-hmm. And that is when I joined what I call the adult community uh, nice. for TTRPGs. <laughs> uh, that's that's very similar to my story with my daughter and getting her into D&D. We actually started playing a one-on-one this past summer where I put together just a little story for her to play as kind of a single player. So it's amazing what it can do for kids. I think it's an invaluable resource for education. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we as we go on. But uh, Jay, go ahead and tell us how you got into TTRPGs. Uh, my journey was very like broken for how my experience, because I started playing TTRPGs before I knew what they were. I used online role-playing forums all the time, particularly for like Bleach and Naruto, like anime things. And me and my friends would continue doing that without the forum, just talking to one another. And then at some point, because, you know, kids do that, oh, I'm better than you, I'm stronger than you. We started using, like, dice cards, number values to keep track of, like, who's technically faster or stronger. And I think that's paired with the fact that I grew up playing video games. I already had, like, a mental gaming aspect. And so I was playing TTRPGs before I knew what it was. And then I got introduced to specifically Pathfinder at one point in my college years when we made Gamers Guild, which was... Our excuse to convince the college to let's play video games so we can get credit as extracurriculars. And we were like, yeah, we'll bring in TVs and video games. But they're like, you have to do more like board games. And so my one of my law professors was like, hey, I have this Pathfinder. And I played my first ever character, Zephyr, and was like, this is amazing. I need more. So we ended up playing Pathfinder, Shadowrun um genesis through fantasy flight and then eventually we played fifth edition for like one time before like my finals came up and so on didn't play it for like three or four more years tried to become a professional actor and got casted to play as a character in an actual play on twitch and was like there's actual plays for D D. can i do this more and they're like yeah and you can play and you could this and that was my journey. I went from a little bit of dabbling into acting and then came back into it and was like, oh, this, this is paradise. Mm-hmm. I can be an actor and play games simultaneously. And that was my journey. Right. Perfect. I, I love how like they all have these common threads of storytelling and wanting to tell stories and wanting to do things with friends and just, or our kids and just, you know, making that happen. I love it. Love it so much. Um, so all of us are here we're together because we met through D&D in a castle. And Erin, who was not able to join us tonight because she is currently on her way back from the airport to her home, um, she actually invited me to go two or three years ago. It was it was somewhat, I want to say it was sometime in 2020. And she's like, hey, we should go to this in, in 2022. And I said, hell yes, sign me up. I'm all in. Uh, and it ended up being one of the best vacation experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, just from start to finish, um, it was it was so fun, and I met so many good people and had so many good like conversations. Um, and I mean, so you know, we all spent time at the library bar just drinking and talking each night. So um, 
usually until two o'clock in the morning. So you can give you an idea of how much connection you have with other people there. Um, but Beth and, and Jay, how did you guys initially get involved in the castle of being a DM and an NPC and now a DM as well? Um, so I was first involved with Sword and Scroll, which is like the it was kind of supposed to be the virtual version of D&D in a castle when COVID happened and D&D in a castle had to like, you know, stop doing its thing for a minute. And um, Lauren brought me on to teach um, other other like celebrity DMs how to run and kind of like run alongside them for Sword and Scroll because I am an educator. That's what I do. Uh, and he was like, oh, do you want to also run games on here? And I was like, sure. And he was like, oh, let's talk D&D and castle stuff. And that is how <laughs> I ended up there. Very nice. I was just the arm candy. Like <laughs> I dragged him with kicking and screaming. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of like Beth got invited because Beth also undersold herself. Beth is the author of she is the ancient mm -hmm. the gender I was gonna curse that. of strahd right which and became... funny we were just talking about a couple days ago Devin and i were like uh i want to buy that module so bad so it is remarkable because uh beth focused on creating an experience that changed the narrative and the experience rather than just changing the gender didn't mm -hmm. just say oh this is now a woman this is now this really worked to create an experience that was more inclusive for female representation and that all combined with game mastering and teaching brought her on. And as her partner, going to the castle wouldn't go without me. So I got to go with to be the support. And I just volunteered my time more than anything. And because I'm a professional actor, I was willing to do whatever role was needed. And obviously, I'm going to support my partner in every way, shape and form. And was like, who do you need me to be for whatever given moment? And then I just kind of spent my time helping everyone else too, because I'm, that's what I want to do. I want to give the help to whoever needs it. And because of that, and running some games for some casual folks at the castle, they were like, hey, do you want to do this again? But like, actually do it rather than just being a volunteer or volunteered by your partner. And that's kind of how it went for me. I've been doing game mastering on like um, live streams more than anything. So that's where my expertise is. I've been doing live streams on YouTube and Twitch for almost two years or no, a year and a half now, primarily. And that was where my experience kind of got my recognition of people seeing and hearing that I am overly charismatic. I perform like a bard. I've got honor like a paladin, but I will convince you I'm better than most like a warlock. <laughs> They also played the gambler on the night of the trials and had our group totally convinced that everything was so important to our story and like, oh God, no, we got to figure all this out. There's this extra stuff we need to figure out. It was fantastic. So between you and Mark Mir as Aslan that night, like we were like, what is going on? Which we will <laughs> talk about Mark Mir in a few minutes. Um, but Caitlin, uh, yeah, Caitlin, let's go ahead and start with you. How did you uh, find out about D&D the Castle and, and uh, get there and all that fun stuff? So I wound up originally hearing about D&D in a Castle. Uh, I follow a spectacular creator on her socials, Ginny D. Oh, yep. And Ginny was being invited as a guest. 
And I basically stalked her stories the entire time she was there. She's like, this is the meals that we're eating. These are the games that we're playing. This is my party. (laughs) And it all just looked phenomenal. And I was like, how do I get myself here? How do I have the same experience? And so uh, when they launched the fall dates, uh, my partner, Nick, and I got, uh, uh, we signed up, we got assigned our table, we got really excited. And then serendipitously, um, I also follow Beth on her socials. And then I saw that she was going to be there at the same time as me. And I just got absolutely jazzed because... (laughs) She played an integral part of me sharing the fact that I'm neurodivergent with our tables because I take hella notes. Like in our three-day campaign, I took 36 pages mm-hmm. of notes. Oh, wow. um, I can't. Which think- saved Jason Charles Miller, by the way, because he <laughs> lost his computer. So her notes basically <laughs> saved his, his whole That's game. That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> But I like I now like I have the confidence to tell people that like I will get hyper fixated on what we're doing in that moment and I will not let that moment go. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of clarity about being able to tell people that. So then even now at Dungeons and Dragons in the Castle, I was able to tell you know our close knit table that and so close knit. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> ride it, or die. It, exactly, and it created a really phenomenal environment that exceeded what I had seen in any of Jenny's stories yeah. it really made it really phenomenal how about you Devin um how did I find out about D&D in a castle I want to say it is thanks to Mark Mir um as as an absolute story junkie um I had long been fascinated with the works of Bioware and all of their games um and Mark being one of the voices of Commander Shepard I, I was was enthralled with him and all of his work. Um, I'd followed him on Twitter. We would we, uh, we were watching uh, the Black Dice Society, and finding out that he he was going to be at this castle. I I saw the post one day, and I think I signed up for I think I signed up the next day for a session for for a segment like fourteen months in advance, which to me was like what are you doing pulling the trigger on something this <laughs> fast? Like you've been playing in person. You're going to go into like a, a seemingly random table, which you haven't had a lot of experience with in the past. Like, is this going to be a good environment for you? Go for it, whatever, screw it. And I did. Um, and it was like you said, Sarah, one of the, best vacations one of the best experiences of my life and it's only gotten better the more connections I've made and experience that I had because of it yeah absolutely I want us to talk each about the tables we were at or the tables we ran while we were there um Kate and I were at Jason Charles Miller's table who uh, he's a fantastic musician lots of people know him as Drist Orton uh he's been on Critical Role he's been on lots of actual plays um I had originally been signed up for Abria's table. It was really sad that she had dropout, but I get it. She's doing lots of cool shit. So that, that's fine. Um, but at our table, like we, like our table just vibed instantly. Like we were like best friends, ride or die, go to the bar after the sessions and just sit there and buy rounds for each other and talk until two o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> um, but our 
our campaign specifically was very dungeon crawly. Like we were, we were fighting somebody called the Chronomancer who was played by the fantastic Paul Foxcroft at the end of the session. We had Travis McElroy come and join our table as Travis the Ghost Guard at one point. Um, but Kate, do you want to talk about a little bit about what we did during our games? Sure. So um, our play style, at least the way it worked for our group, is we started off a little bit casually kind of feeling out the table. And then uh, when we were given like the first ounce of a hint for like what where we were headed we were all in we were like okay how do we do this what's the party dynamic what are we gonna do and then we just ran for it and uh like sarah said it was a little bit dungeon crawly we had um a very strict timeline Mm -hmm. within the game so we had a goal to accomplish um that aligned with our time frame there we had three days to complete this quest and we were there for the three-day time span so it worked out really well so we each day had a very driven goal for where we'd like to try to get to in order to accomplish something to further progress. Um, and our care, like our party dynamic worked really well, which was mm-hmm. fun. We had a little bit of everything. We had a druid, we had a fighter, we had a monk and we had a warlock and uh, we basically just wreaked havoc underground <laughs> and fought our unless, way yeah, unless i was Sorry. punching ghosts in which i don't have magic fist at the point that we started punching ghosts and so it took me forever <laughs> to punch one to death but eventually we got there so it was a lot of fun but um yeah we ended up beating the chronomancer we got some of us decided to stay behind under the uh underground and help this i don't even want to i don't remember what was he wizard like we ended up making a deal with this wizard to go stop the chronomancer. Yes. Some of us got stay, you know, got stuck behind. Nick was the only one who basically escaped the dungeon. He uh, bartered his way out of it. Bartered all his of way out of it. All of us had agreed, like, oh, you're gonna help us defeat the chronomancer. We can't do it on our own. Absolutely, you can have 200 years of servitude. That's fine. <laughs> and Nick's like, mm, I don't no. think that's a good deal. I don't, I don't want that deal. So he talked his way out of it. And the rest of us were like, oh, no. <laughs> we agreed to 200. We didn't know there was an option two. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. Um, but it was a lot of fun. But Jay, I also want to talk about Jay's one shots that he ran. Because I did get to play in one of his one shots. And that is where I immediately got hooked on the way he ran his table and the story that he was telling. And why I signed up for his campaign and convinced these other fools to sign up with me. Uh, <laughs> but Jay, tell us a little bit about the campaign that, or the one shots that you ran while you were at the castle. So all of my one shots, I think I ran a total of three one shots over my two rounds that I was there. Um, was using my Fallen Icons model of my homebrew Deep Breath, which is basically a modern fantasy where it's modern day elements, technology, computer, electronics, with fantastical elements merged within where elves, um, fey, supernatural, undead are all kind of conjoined. And specifically, the models I try to do were anime in nature. That was my entire delivery was the big anime moments. So I know that I had one, which was people got suddenly transported from their mystical realms into a modern society, and they got dropped into the middle of a nightclub where creatures also came from other mystical realms. And basically, it was like a conversion moment where people were in the middle from, I believe we had a, there was a centaur, we had the warlock, 
a sorcerer who had just come through from multiple realms mm -hmm. and they were in the middle of a nightclub with these shining lights and a DJ playing music and then these demon creatures were attacking and they had to run outside and the idea was to build this whole experience where you realize you're not somewhere you recognize but you can see the bleeding nature of fantasy medieval and even a bit of futuristic elements converging on this modern area and other ones were that same big level where I had a party go through a football stadium where they had made it into a temporary fight ring um, like UFC. Um, but one of the people um, got mad and activate this God trigger, which caused the darkness to spread across the land. So it would have been a normal fight ring caused darkness to scour the planet. And all the gods were like, yeah, so we messed up and the God Slayers coming after us. And so the idea is... I wanted to deliver one shots that made you realize you may be a normal person in an unfamiliar or small setting, but you specifically can live larger than life. And that's kind of like my whole delivery is you are no one special, but you still can do something very special. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like my thing. It was, it was a lot of fun. Wow. The one shot we played, I was hooked. That's like I said, I was hooked and immediately found out as soon as Jay started DMing, I was like, mm, sign me up, take my money. There we go. And just keep taking it because this is too good. I'm not going to stop paying for it. It's anyway, <laughs> Devin, let's go ahead and talk about your table and your adventure that you, uh, you went on. Okay. Um, yeah. At the castle, I was at again, Mark's table. Um, and the, the feel of the, mechanically the, the adventure was very much a series of fetch quests, um, but it was, the, the best I, could, I the best analogy I could have for it is sort of a a haunted house kind of a resident evil feel to it. Uh, a bunch of us disparate adventurers are brought in one night for a party for Liar's Night at the Yawning Portal Tavern. Um, the Yawning Portal has its usual cast of characters: Minsk, Boo, Mer the Money Lender, uh, Dernan behind the bar. Um, I believe. Elminster, uh, the state of Shadowdale was there, as well as part of the League of Malevolence, when suddenly the Yawning Portal is gone. Seemingly snatched off of the material plane, and we are the guests of this, this eldritch creature called Smiling Jack. Mm -hmm. And Smiling Jack is the Lord of Liar's Night, and he needs several of us to go through and essentially help him take the yawning portal and put it back in time so we ended up on this basically one night we had to complete all of these fetch quests into different realms which led into one of the most incredible experiences of my gaming life which was double tabling go we our entire party went to another dm's table and temporarily joined their campaign so there were 11 or 12 of us at Jason Acevedo's table with Mark Mir as sort of the, the vice DM. It was phenomenal. Um, we ended up having to, to steal uh, the Book of Vile Darkness from a temple of Moloch. We had to steal a Doolahan's head from Ravenlock. We had to steal the Book of Strahd from Castle Ravenlock, which is where we met Jason's table. Um, oh, we had to rob Baba Yaga and her coven <laughs> of hags, which 
was the great that 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 single bit there avoiding combat and and fooling 13 hags is the story i will tell for the rest of my life if someone asked me about ttrpgs um on and on we go eventually we find out this whole thing we're doing is basically going to break time we have to turn against our erstwhile patron defeat him stop liar's night from existing forever and thereby save the world it was a dream uh the the group got along really well half of our party had known each other since high school they had been playing together they came in all their their characters knew each other half of us didn't um and yet despite that every break we got we dashed to the library bar slammed down shots grabbed drinks and rushed back to strategize before mark got back into the room because it was it was phenomenal at one point uh i ended up in combat with jay um as i believe you were war duke correct i was i played war duke the npc for amir's table yes at, at one point we were we were set upon by a, a disgruntled league of malevolence and it was incredible and in possibly one of the most memorable things that everybody was talking about, your group decided to, if anybody knows anything about the deck of many things, if you're listening, their group decided to take five cards from the deck Let, of many things. Let's see. Um, our bard, Rex on the night our bard took, yes, our, our DM Mark, who is, is, is famous for his portrayal of Aslan Rex um, in many media um presented us with the deck of many things our bard took one card um our arcane trickster did not take a card but did barter his soul for a ninth level counter spell <laughs> uh which he then proceeded to use on a second level web it was hilarious um i took a card and had to face off with the avatar of death our cleric took three cards, pissed off Moloch, got 50,000 gold and two wishes. Um, and our paladin took two cards, got the answer to one question and lost all the money he could ever make in his life. So he became a just destitute adventurer that everyone else had to pay for his stuff so yeah i think there were seven cards that we pulled jesus total. that was literally like the talk of the night everybody's like what is it we took seven cards from the deck of many things what are they why do they do why why would they do that but we felt beholden to mark as our dm like this gotcha. is Mark. like if anyone's going to just relish in his chaos it has to be you know the party he has to look in the eye the next day <laughs> exactly. exactly so off we went perfect Beth, tell us a little bit about what you guys did at your table. Uh, so Jay and I, I, I pulled Jay in like constantly as an NPC and uh, I ran basically the Lamordia setting from Ravenloft. And by basically, I mean, I ran, I don't know why I said basically. We ran <laughs> Lamordia, um, which is like a Frankenstein horror setting. And... Like, I had a basic idea for the storyline and things, but my style is very much to let the players lead. And so I had, you know, my core components and then uh, let them take off with it. And I kind of changed things as we went. And so after every session, I would sit down and be like, okay, revamp things. And I'd go in and, and plan out the next part. Um, my favorite thing was in the very first session, uh, I brought Jay in. 
to kill the entire party first thing uh and i had Very to do nice. it because i i don't like <laughs> i was like i can't do it i can't be mean right away no. I have better impression so you do it um so yeah he came in he tpk'd and everyone was like what <laughs> you tpk'd us in the first <laughs> session but it was really cool because uh they fought the the bbeg that they had to fight again at the end of the week but they didn't have any power when they fought this time which is why they all died yep. and they were able i was like take notes on what he's doing and 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 what he's vulnerable and resistant to and they're like oh got it got it got it and so yeah then you know before we went to lunch that day i was like and you all wake up and they were like oh thank god like i worked so hard on this character so I have a very specific dynamic, like a, it's a mechanic for this setting that were lended very well to this kind of like with having only three days of gameplay, you have to be able to like cut scene and push and which is something I don't like to do. I run like two year long campaigns where I'm like, everybody take your time, do your thing. But with this, I was like, okay, we have to keep things really tight. And so the mechanic in this particular story, which I won't tell exactly why it was going this way, but they came, they they were actually alive and then they had to get to a certain mansion to deal with a certain person and they kept waking up in a different mm. place. And it worked really well because, you know, I have this whole map of Lamorty and I was like, what if they want to go this way or that way? I need them to just follow this path. We only have eight sessions. And I was like, oh, I'll use that mechanic. So they would, I would let them do whatever they were doing. And then the next session, I'd be like, okay, so you wake up over here. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah, it's been a week. And oh, so it was like nice. this big mystery. And when they figured out why at the end, it had to do with clones. Uh, it was, they were like, oh my God. And it like, nobody felt cheated or railroaded because <laughs> I was like it was part of the story so um yeah and one of my players got well uh, so for example I don't know okay it is a low magic setting but we had a cleric and they were very into their cleric stuff and I don't know if anybody here knows about Ravenloft but in general like you it's hard to access your deities in Ravenloft mm -hmm. and there is a very strong reason for this and even though it was Ravenloft and that's technically a you know official rule there or whatever this cleric was so dedicated to this character they created and their prayers and things like that that it was like okay we're gonna toss that rule aside and dig in let them have at it we're gonna I'm not gonna you know force down the magic stuff as much and and I wanted to include the extra castle things that happened that, um, like, I know some people would find little scrolls around the castle mm -hmm. or one of my players got a thing saying they were being haunted by a duck that was seeking revenge on them or something like that. And I know that some DMs were like, no, I, <laughs> no, that's going to mess with the story. I was like... I have a fun segue Let's for that. Let's do this. <laughs> so um, I had yeah. Jay play the duck. Nice. <laughs> Man of yeah. many voices. <laughs> I think it was it was specifically um, Quactoya. Because the narrative. Yeah, Ignoia Quactoya. Oh my God, I love it. 
And it I, was I so like, you funny. Killed my, like, you killed my foul, so prepare to die. Quack. And it was like I had a bottle cap and like a skewer toothpick that I got from a sandwich to try and kill this wizard that accidentally killed it. my mother when I was a small duckling. Oh. Yeah, I was... Really, we took that very joke moment and was like, no, 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 we're going to add the drama to a moment. Hey, so as yeah, fun as it was, there was so much seriousness for the character who was like, everybody was like, it's a duck. But the character <laughs> who was playing, they were so like, no, this is, this is my nemesis. <laughs> I know Kate found, Kate found actually a potion, a gelatinous cube potion that I don't think we entered, we never ended up using it. No, but it, we, we could have at some point. We, we had plans. We we had all these, you know, like they say, the best laid plans. So mm-hmm. I had one evening found a gelatinous cube in a bottle. And all you had to do was uncork it and it was instant gelatinous cube. Um, for those listening that aren't familiar with, it is an ooze that will devour everything in its path, dissolving it. Um, so we had come up with a couple scenarios uh, in order to use it. But then we realized that we're underground and we in a tunnel other way. and we have to go back this way. <laughs> 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 if I let this go, we're going to be fighting it at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So we just kept it. And then Nick found the Travis McElroy, summon Travis McElroy, yeah. who ended up playing <laughs> Travis the guard ghost. Apparently we accidentally killed his bowling partner, Dolores, who was a banshee. Sorry, Travis. We did. We never got to give him. We, were, we did program a doll. We had a doll. We'd programmed with a whole bunch of different quotes about bowling and shit like that that we were going to give him, but we we weren't able to to meet him again at the table after we had done that. But um, and then Erin, who is not here, but she was at Jason Acevedo's table, actually got a scroll to turn any dice roll uh, or like a, a save that had succeeded into a natural one, and he had saved that for the end of the campaign because what happened is he loved Aaron's role playing so much that he actually invited her to go join Realmsmith and play Into the Mist. So she's now currently playing Aster, her character that she played at the castle on their actual play on YouTube. Uh, but he had specifically saved that scroll just in case she saved on that last wisdom save. She failed it, but he had saved that natural one scroll just to keep Aster uh, in, uh, in, in Straw's realm. So it was it was just like, those scrolls, man, they could either be really good or really shitty. <laughs> they certainly could. The 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 story of the hags uh, was completely the work of the scrolls. Um, we had I found uh, a scroll. It was uh, the hat with the word snake on it. And whenever mm-hmm. you put it on anything, anything that looked at you perceived you utterly to be a snake. You weren't a snake, but anything that looked at you was snake. That was it. There was no caveat about true sight. There was no caveat about magic, this, that, nothing. This was an artifact level snake hat. Um, Next, we had a crown of rat control. It was essentially a ratatouille hat, where if you put it on (laughs) someone's head and you dropped a rat on them, the rat became their mech pilot. Um, And then we had a mustache of, I think, assumed disguise or something. Whenever you put on this fake mustache, you appear to be anyone that someone would expect to see. So we're in this cave. We're looking out across this lake and there's Baba Yaga, the hut, the mortar, the pestle, another dozen hags, and this Kenku. 
Kenku's walking around. He's gathering firewood. I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'll put on the snake hat. We had, we had recruited a rat earlier oh, on because no. we knew we knew the snake hat or, or we knew the rat crown was going to come into play so we recruited a rat name was templeton uh templeton was apparently a presbyterian according to, <laughs> to to mark who role-played templeton beautifully um we convinced templeton we are going to get you like a new lot in life we're going to get you out of this temple of moloch it's going to be great so come with me if i put you on somebody's head that's now your new like meat pilot mech suit I put on snake hat, me and Templeton. We got the stuff. We go. I sneak up to this Kenku. Hat, rat. I'm like, all right, Templeton, follow me. Templeton follows the snake. We go back. Our sorcerer puts on the mustache. Okay, she looks like a sorcerer in a mustache. No, she's going to look like this Kenku when we walk back into the crowd. Nice. So this Kenku and this snake walk in, just pick up the mortar, pick up the pestle dimension door out of there not a shot fired 13 hags done it was dungeons it was, and dragons what? bitches yeah <laughs> mark was sitting there with like his head in his hands and eventually he's like okay you guys make it back to the yawning portal we're gonna take a break here and he goes these are these are what i was gonna throw at you and he puts he's got all the hags out on the thing he pulls out like two more bone claws like four or five ogres he's like I was going to throw the kitchen sink at you people. <laughs> he, was, he was so robbed. I felt kind of bad. One but of my favorite things to do, though, is to thwart a DM's plans. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never forget totally wrecking that. I told you this, I think last night we were talking about this, where I wrecked the, we wrecked the DM's zombie T-Rexes. And he was so disappointed. Yes. And we were like, sorry. We wrecked him in like five minutes. He's like, how did you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Make them harder T-Rexes. I do have to say, though, Jay's enemies are fucking insane. Jay's enemies are terrifying. Yeah, and he's like, really good at that. I think <laughs> I've gone unconscious at least four times. Same. Rolling death saves at least once. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm officially yeah. out of healing kits, and I think I've got one potion left. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was bad. We were... That last fight was just... Yeah, the, the we it, seemingly our characters are the ones who end up mm-hmm. in danger close the most <laughs> most often. Yeah, yeah. For some freaking warlock who it, it, it's almost like my monk doesn't have any range. You know, yeah. weird. It, it's, it's like it's, the paladin or, or the uh, the artificer and our bar- barbarian are like never there when we need them <laughs> to be there. Yeah, one's at range and the other is a meat shield. And yeah. Yeah, I don't think either of them have ever gone unconscious. Uh-uh. <laughs> they no, are has, at has, all. No, has Lumen gone unconscious? Narratively uh, only. No. That's the only time I think. Yeah. Just, just when so I it's only us who's been the knocked apple. out by enemies. God damn it. <laughs> it's only us. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> why are you picking on us? <laughs> I would like to make a point that my model um, of how I do my table is Dark Souls Light. Okay. I'm not punishing you. You punish yourselves. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not I, wrong. I mean, yeah, I, after I went to the keeper, I was sentencing the clearly we're idiots gif to to everybody because you know we didn't know we didn't need to go to the keeper. Ven was just wanting more information that she really didn't need to get, but it was like no, she was pushing for it. So 
Yeah. Yeah. No, the entire model of my style is I figure out how, what your, all your strengths are. And then I give each enemy you face typically has a vulnerability you can exploit, but also can exploit one of your vulnerabilities as a whole. So like, if you don't work as a team, you will Mm -hmm. die as a team. Mm hmm. <laughs> Which is a conversation we've also had. I'm sure Jay knows what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. um, You're welcome. Oh man. <laughs> I still think we should take Aaron's uh Aaron's hint and maybe, you know, never mind. Yeah. I'll say it offline. We're not we're not, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> we'll say it offline. Um, um Kate, you did one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you did mention one thing that I want to talk about, and it's, it, yeah. we talk a lot about mental health here on the podcast, just because a lot of us, James is neurodivergent, I'm neurodivergent, you know, ADHD, anxiety, all of that fun stuff. But the Dungeons and Dragons community does seem to bring together people who are neurodi- neuro- neurodivergent. It seems to be a safe space for many people who are in that kind of spectrum of neurodivergency. What do you guys think it is about Dungeons and Dragons that that helps bring people together and be able to find common ground and work through a lot of those issues that come with being neurodivergent and all of the fun stuff that comes along with that? I, know, I, I feel know. like that's a little bit loaded. Like that's a, it? a heavy question. It is <laughs> a heavy question. <laughs> well, darn, we're going to end heavy. I know for me, like um, I, I do therapeutic GMing with Mm -hmm. teenagers and a lot of them are neurodivergent like parents specifically seek me out because I'm very open about you know ADHD and all these things like that so I have a lot of kids with ADHD and autism and what I've noticed from a couple things that have happened so we've had I've had at least two kids that joined my campaigns that were nonverbal uh in their autism and Mm -hmm became verbal over the course of like six months of playing with this group and it was genuinely because of like that safe space and and social space that was created uh it there was just there's like a level of intimacy and safety at a table that you trust and um I think that that makes a huge difference in some cases that's for that particular case but um yeah i don't know the other ones no you go first uh, i was just say i know for myself a lot of it was like for myself battling with adhd and getting incredibly hyper focused on things given the opportunity to step outside myself and be somebody else that didn't struggle with social interaction for a little while. I could play a charismatic character. I could play a more withdrawn character. And that wasn't Caitlin speaking. That was, you know, Nimra, or that was Lumen. That was Drusilla. Like that wasn't coming from me anymore. So it gave me a little bit of an escape outside of the boundaries that I had unintentionally created for myself. And as I grew and started to learn about my mental health so much more that was kind of a you know a way of working through a lot of the self-confidence struggles that I didn't realize that I was facing because I didn't know how to address it mm-hmm. I I had been talking with Aaron and Devin uh, and we were talking about 
D&D and tattoos, some of the best therapy you could ever give yourself. Um, <laughs> but I was also talking about how all of my characters before the one I'm currently playing in our campaign have always been very high level, like not super dark. And I'm like, I went super dark with Ven. And I'm like, oh God, is this my therapy character? Am I working through the shit? Cause like also doing therapy on the outside, which is important guys. Therapy is a good thing. Don't be afraid of it. Um, so I was just like, oh shit. And Aaron had mentioned something about trauma. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Then is my therapy character. So now I'm like, oh God, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but it's so much fun to play and just be able to, to become somebody different for a couple of hours a week and, and really just have fun with it and go. Um, we're running out of time. So mm -hmm. do you guys have any like final things you want to talk about with D&D &D Castle? Anything you want to mention coming up? Any, you know, things you guys have got going on? Because I know Jay and Beth, you guys are like pumping lots of content out and doing lots of things. Um, but if there's anything you guys want to talk about a little bit more, we can do that for five, five or six more minutes. And if not, that's okay too. Um, I, I will do a, the full product placement for uh, me and Beth because that's my whole stick. I so, can't ever couple... advertise. I'm like, I don't do anything else. Don't look at me. He's the extrovert. So, so a couple things I want to put on the docket um, for those that are doing Dungeons and Dragons and who enjoy vampires. There are people who will suggest Curse of Strahd, which has a great option, but I want to reemphasize checking out she is the ancient you can go to i believe it's she is the ancient.com which will direct you directly to the store page mm -hmm. to purchase the gender bent curse of strahd where instead of having the strahd dracula male presentation it is a female with a true story of purpose that leads to a narrative that has feeling devotion and a true compassion for the identity of well who we are as people and it really allows this comfort at the table in such a horror setting approach. On top of that, I also, if you are getting into TTRPGs and you want to find a collection of information that can help you understand the content across multiple settings and systems, such as D&D, TTRPG University would be your best bet. Uh, Beth has worked tirelessly to create this website that has information on how to be a better GM, how to be a role player, how to make content, GM screens, resources, the system reference document. There are so many things on that website, including the GM archetype quiz, which could help you figure out what kind of GM you are, which then leads into something Beth has chosen to give out for an incredible discount. I told her to charge so much more, but <laughs> there is the GM intensive on the website where she provides you a course on how to become a GM, or upgrade your current level as a game master to the next degree, which after that, she's also working on courses to expand your ability to become a professional game master to supplement and maybe even replace your income as a game master. But there's so many other things on there for so many resources. Check out TTRBG University. And personally, I'm working on Back to Basics with Beth as my layout and editor, which is a 2D20 system that's less about the crunch and more about the narrative. It has a nice soft narrative with a crunchy candy shell that allows you to experience more narrative elements that I think you'll enjoy. It's over on DriveThruRPG as part of the Modifius 2D20 World Builders Program. You can also go to, I think, bit.ly slash back to basics, capital B, capital basics. Check that out and see what stuff compels you to tell stories, but also just enjoy the experience of other people. That's my last note is 
TTRPGs is built on the community and it's about that collaborative nature. So if you're unsure of where to begin, find your friend. And if you don't have one yet, well, hi, I'll be your friend. <laughs> I'll be sure to put all of the links in the uh, episode description so that we can, you know, all of the social media, all of the, the websites and everything like that. So everybody can access those really easily. Um, but we're going to end it up here. We usually run our episodes about 45 minutes to an hour. James, do you have a dad joke for us? Because if you don't, I have uh, one. I'll let you take. I have a bunch, but okay. there's so many just going through my head right now. Okay, I've got a D&D themed one, okay? What are, what are Rogue's favorite armor and metal? What? Hide and steal. <laughs> You're welcome. I love it, Sarah. <laughs> oh, man. Hold on. Audible face palm. <laughs> Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars.